In the spring of 2021, God called me away from being a teacher and into a life of entrepreneurship and homeschooling. No doubt you've heard similar statements from Christians sharing the reason for making certain decisions. Maybe you've even said something similar yourself, that God called you into this or that and that you feel led by God to do or say something. Regardless of where you are on your journey with Christ, we all have the moments of, was that God? Or was that me? Or maybe the enemy? And it's a kind of terrifying thought process and really is enough to keep us rooted in fear and indecision. Because what if the thing I think I'm hearing isn't from God and I make the wrong choice? And then this spiral gets deeper and deeper and deeper until we're so far removed from what God says about his mercy and grace that we're convinced we'll make the wrong choice and mess everything up and God will punish us for choosing wrong. Before that sparks any anxiety, let me just say that that's not exactly how all this works. God works all things for good, even our bad decisions. Regardless, as children of God, we should want to make decisions that line up with his will for our life and therefore please him. So how do we know if the things on our heart and in our head is God or something else? Well, settle in, friend. I need to tell you a story. Welcome to Loved and Made Worthy. My name is Erica, and this is a podcast about embracing our God-given purpose and letting go of perfectionism, people-pleasing, and overachieving. If you want a deeper relationship with Jesus and are ready to ditch the labels that God never gave you, this is for you. Listen in as we journey with God to find out who He is, what that means for our life, and ultimately, who He created us to be. When I was 16 years old, I asked my mom to take me to the doctor because I thought I might be developing an eating disorder. I had lost my appetite for pretty much everything, and I was scared and tired, and I didn't trust my own mind and body to deal with it alone. I don't remember anything about the days in between or the ride to the psychiatrist's office, but I'll never forget the moment he diagnosed me. I sat across from him in the brown paneled room, my mom to my right, and he said, you don't have an eating disorder. You have obsessive compulsive disorder. The anxiety that constantly brewed under the surface of my head came to a boil at that point. I didn't know what this meant, but it didn't sound good. As he went on to explain how he came to this conclusion, though, I knew he was right. All those weird little rituals that I did when no one was looking and why I couldn't not do them finally made sense why I overanalyzed every little thing, why I had to lay my pens and my shoes just right, why I had to do things in patterns of three or something terrible might happen. Honestly, it makes me really sad to think about that time of my life. This is not an episode about mental health or OCD, though perhaps that's a topic for another day. What I want you to know is that this diagnosis became a banner over my life an identifier. I wasn't ashamed of it, though I certainly wasn't proud either, but because of the relief I felt when I realized why I was doing some of the things I was doing, I held on to that label. It helped me make sense of an otherwise very scary world and a very not nice place inside my head. It helped me know that there were others like me and that I wasn't completely broken. 
In the years that followed, I sort of became my own therapist, and through a lot of prayer and faith, I got the obsessive rituals under control. On the outside, I was no longer flicking the light switch in intervals of three, but the obsessive tendencies lingered inside my brain. I switched from lining up my shoes just so to reliving every interaction in my day just in case I made someone upset. I replayed conversations, each time analyzing a different piece. First the words, then the tone of voice, then the body language, and after that, the reactions of the bystanders. It was exhausting, but I couldn't stop. Until I did. One day, years later, out of the silence, I heard a voice say, ask me to take it from you. I didn't jump, per se, but it definitely stopped me in my tracks and had me looking over my shoulder. I was in the room alone. I knew this, but I looked anyway. I didn't need to, though. Honestly, I knew that voice. I knew it like my own. It was God. And honestly, at the time, I didn't subscribe to the type of faith that allowed for God to speak to me that way. It was scary and a little confusing, to be completely frank. I looked around one more time and tentatively said, what? And I heard it again ask me to take it from you. See, I had been in the middle of an obsessive spiral, overanalyzing some conversation, and in my head, I had kind of growled and said, oh, God, I'm so tired of this. I never expected him to actually reply. I considered the words for a moment and said, okay, okay, God, please take this obsessive spirit from me. And while my eyes were still open, I wasn't seeing my surroundings. It was like I had been transported elsewhere. The background was entirely made up of a very soft blue, and I knew. I knew what I needed to do. So I reached toward the top of my head, grabbed onto something, and came away with a small white square of fabric. I held it out in front of me, and when I did, it burst into flames. I let go, and it hovered there for a moment, consumed by fire. And then it was over. Things were back to whatever this normal was going to be. But I could already feel it. I was different. My head, my brain, they were different. Quiet. For the first time in my life. It was a beautiful display of God's love and grace and made me realize that I had put him and his power inside a box. I said before that I didn't subscribe to the type of faith that would allow God to speak to me outside of his written word. And after that moment, I knew I would never go back to that way of thinking. How dare I say he can't or wouldn't do something? He's the Alpha and Omega, the Almighty God of the universe, and I had no business limiting him the way that I did. I spent the next week in a strange daze. I didn't tell anyone what happened, partly because it felt so intimate and I wanted to keep it for myself just a little bit longer but also because I was terrified someone was going to deny my experience and this newfound relationship with God. I was afraid that if I said something, they would confirm my deepest fears, that I wasn't hearing from God at all, that instead I had made it up, or worse, that I was hearing from the enemy. So how do we know? How do we know that what we're hearing is from God and not just our own conscience or lies from Satan? First, let's establish that God does, in fact, speak to us. Isaiah 30, 21 says, And your ears shall hear a word behind you, saying, 
This is the way, walk in it, when you turn to the right or when you turn to the left. John 10, 27 says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. He may speak to us through scripture, through sermons and worship songs, through people, and yes, perhaps even the void. We also know that God is relational. He values community and wants to have a relationship with us. Relationships are not built on silence, but on communication. There has to be a back and forth, us praying and praising and God answering our prayers. So now that we've solidified that with scripture, let's go back and address the question of how. How do we know that what we're hearing is from God so that we can make decisions rooted in faith and not fear? Well, we look for three echoes. The first echo is in scripture. Reading God's word is non-negotiable, but it's more than just the act of reading. It's relying on, hungering for, and consuming it in a manner worthy of its importance. The word of God is our bread, and we are lost and hungry without it. Romans 10, 17 says, So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. If we need to make a decision about something, and we don't have the words tucked away in our hearts, it's no wonder we waver one moment to the next, whether it's God. After prayerfully approaching a decision, the very first place we should go to when trying to decide if this thought or that, if this decision or that one is from God, is his word. It is the absolute authority, the standard of truth. So if something doesn't align, it stops there. We go no further with it. For instance, if the voice inside your head is telling you that you're beyond redemption, too far for God to reach or want you, too sinful to be forgiven, that doesn't align with scripture. In fact, that's the exact opposite of the story we're told from Genesis to Revelation. Christ died so that we could be redeemed and God willingly put that plan into action. This is what John three sixteen through 17 is all about. If what you're hearing does align with what God says, we go to the next echo, which is wise counsel. God appoints leaders to help us in our walk with him. Hebrews 13, 7 says, Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. If there is something you feel like God is calling you to do, and it's past the scripture test, then take it to those in leadership where you worship. It is their privilege to shepherd you in this way. And it's not just those leaders, it's also the people in your life who are walking with God. There are so many Proverbs about making wise decisions and seeking guidance, but here are a few. Proverbs eleven fourteen, Where there is no guidance, a people falls, but in an abundance of counselors, there is safety. Proverbs twelve fifteen, The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. In Proverbs 15.22, without counsel, plans fail, but with many advisors, they succeed. It's clearly important to surround ourselves with people who are also consuming the word and seeking after God so that they can advise us in his ways. This is not a decision to be taken lightly. So whatever it is you feel like you're hearing, did it pass the wise counsel test? Regardless of the answer we assess, are the people we went to truly seeking after God? Or were they giving their own advice? If they are pursuing a life with God, and if they're backing up what they're saying with scripture, it's safe to heed their advice. Which brings us to the third and final echo. Will the outcome be echoed in the fruit of the Spirit? 
Galatians 5.22-23 says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. If what we are hearing is from God, it's going to reflect these things. If what we're hearing is not from God, it's going to be more along the lines of confusion, anxiety, fear, chaos, rush, etc. When we're searching for confirmation that something is from God, we first see if it's echoed in scripture. Then we go to our wise counsel and then to the fruit of the spirit. Some of you might have expected me to include the echo in our sense of peace And some time ago, you probably would have been right. But the more time I spend with this concept, the more I question if it's a sufficient measure for hearing from God. I told you earlier that when I was a teenager, I was diagnosed with obsessive compulsive disorder. So in times of great stress, my sense of peace is brought on by super strange things like touching my chapstick as I lay it down until it feels right. So it's probably not a surprise that I don't really trust my feelings. When I make a decision based on peace, is it truly peace I'm feeling? Or is it relief about staying in my comfort zone rather than doing something hard or scary? We're called to deny ourselves because we cannot trust ourselves or our hearts. So if that's the case, how can I put my trust in my feelings? Check out Luke 9.23 and Jeremiah 17, 9-10 for those concepts. We're called to let the peace of Christ rule in our hearts. So what does that mean? Well, let's go back to the moments before Jesus' death. The picture painted in the Garden of Gethsemane wasn't very peaceful, and Jesus was literally sweating blood, and he even asked God to take the experience from him. He was obviously scared and very sad. It makes me wonder if maybe he didn't necessarily have peace about the pain and crucifixion that was about to take place, but instead he had peace in God's will for his life and what that meant for all of us. Maybe the question isn't, does this decision bring me peace? Maybe the question is, do I believe that no matter the outcome of this decision, after having passed the previous three echoes, God is sovereign over my life and works all things for good? That is where our peace comes from. And the enemy, that accuser and father of lies, goes to battle to make us forget it. But today, right now, we get to fight back. We get to take a breath and slow down and use the three echoes to help us discern God's voice over the enemies and make decisions rooted in faith rather than fear. I hope today's episode blessed your spiritual walk and brought you just a little bit closer to Jesus. If you enjoyed listening, please consider subscribing and leaving a review. I love to hear how God is using this in your life. And if you'd like to connect, be sure to join the Loved and Made Worthy Facebook group. I would love to see you there. Now, as we go our separate ways, I just want to remind you of three things. You are seen, you are loved, and you are made worthy in Jesus. I'll see you next time.